Welcome back for day two of week one of our survey, our look through the New Testament. We started with Matthew yesterday. We're looking at Mark today. And let's start with who is Mark? Matthew, we know, is one of the disciples. Mark is not as easily known. You might know that his full name is John Mark. John was his Jewish name, Mark his Roman name. He lived in Jerusalem, Acts chapter 12, verse 12 tells us. A a few clues in the Bible tells us that just possibly the upper room where Jesus' disciples met for the Passover and where the disciples met early on and the church began, that that upper room may have been his family home. And that just possibly he was the young man who was following Jesus from the Garden of Gethsemane in Mark 15, 14, 51. And he was the guy who had to slip out of his shirt and run away naked when the mob tried to grab him. That just possibly was John Mark. But we certainly know that he lived in Jerusalem. And we certainly know that Peter brought Mark to Christ because in 1 Peter 5.13, he calls him my son in the faith. We also know that he was a cousin of Barnabas, one of the early leaders of the church. We're told that in Colossians 4.10. And he was the cause of some trouble between Barnabas and Paul. You might remember the story. Uh, John Mark had left them on one missionary journey and Paul said, I don't want to take him on the next one. Barnabas says, I want to take him because Barnabas is an encourager. That's what his name means. And they went their separate ways because of their disagreement about John Mark. But that's not the end of the story. You might also know that at the last, John Mark was a great help to Paul. You see it in Colossians chapter 4.10 and 2 Timothy chapter 4.11 that that although there were problems in his relationship with Paul, in the end, he was a great help to Paul. That's who John Mark is. Now, how about this book? The focus of the book of Mark is on what Jesus did, not what he said. Mark is the shortest gospel, and the action in it is is rapid. If you compared it to movies, Matthew would be like a a great drama, like the Ten Commandments, Gone with the Wind, this sweeping story. Luke would be like a a documentary, a miniseries, The Civil War or Roots. John would be like a Shakespearean drama, uh, all about relationships and long soliloquies and and poetic writing. Mark would be an action-adventure. It's the Indiana Jones of the Gospels because it's like a thrill a minute. Things are happening all the time. And that fits because the audience, as Mark writes, is apparently the Romans. And the Romans were a people of common sense. They were practical. They weren't concerned with the past or really the future. They were concerned about what about right now? They weren't concerned with ancestry, like maybe the Jewish mind might have been, so much as ability. What can you do for me now? The Romans glorified action. They wouldn't ask of Jesus, where has he come from? Or even so much, what did he say? They wanted to know, what did he do? The Greeks were interested in intellectual philosophies. The Romans were interested in military conquests. They were interested in action. So as I talk about the Romans, it's pretty obvious that they fit in with a lot of people today. You probably know a lot of people that think this way. That's why I often suggest to people that they start with the book of Mark. If they've never read anything in the New Testament, read the book of Mark first. I know a lot of people start with John, but it's the longest. Why not have people start with the shortest? They're going to be more successful that way. And then they hear the story of Jesus very quickly. When you look at the book of Mark, there's a lot of angles to look at it from. What I'd like to look at it from is based on Mark 10, 45, where Jesus says, Even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. When you look at the book of Mark, it's very much about Jesus and how he did serving, how he served us, how he served us as a healer, as a teacher, as a sacrifice, 
as a resurrected Lord. So I'd like to look in the book of Mark at what are the marks of a servant? A little play on words in the word Mark. What are the marks of a servant that you see in the gospel of Mark? What is it that distinguishes a servant? You just look at Jesus. He's our model. And you find out three or four things. Number one, to be a servant means you care about people's hurts. This is the personal ministry of a servant. This is Jesus as the healer that you see again and again and again in the book of Mark. You see it many times, but I want to just bring up one instance because it's so personal. In chapter 1, verses 29 to 34, you see Jesus healing Peter's mother-in-law. In verse 29, as soon as they left the synagogue, they went with James and John to the home of Simon and Andrew. Simon's mother-in-law was in bed with a fever, and they immediately told Jesus about her. So he went to her, took her hand, and helped her up. The fever left her, and she began to wait on them. That evening after sunset, the people brought to Jesus all the sick and demon-possessed. The whole town gathered at the door, and Jesus healed many who had various diseases. So here you see Jesus healing people, but I want to focus on the fact that he was caring for people. Jesus cared about those whom he healed. Servants don't just go out doing works of healing. They go out caring for the people who need healing. That's what it means to be a servant. Sometimes we disconnect the two, but you can't serve without loving because the power of serving is in loving. So servants are those who have compassion for other people. That's one of the lessons we learn in the book of Mark. A second mark of of a servant is that you're willing to face criticism. These are the personal challenges of a servant. Now, you'd think that no one would criticize you for serving. The truth is, anytime you do anything, someone will question you for what you're doing. If you don't do anything, they'll question you for what you're not doing. But if you do anything, they're going to question you. That's just the nature of human nature. Now, Jesus was often questioned for the way he served. And he teaches us about how you can be willing to face criticism and what to do with it. Here's the lesson you learn from Jesus. Jesus used the questions, the criticism, as an opportunity to clarify his priorities. So whenever you're criticized as a servant, use it as an opportunity to clarify your priorities. First in your own mind, am I doing the right thing? I mean, maybe this criticism is valid. Or maybe God wants to use it in some way to head me in a different direction. But maybe not. Oftentimes, criticism is not meant to head you in a different direction. It's meant to give you an opportunity to tell people what your direction is. When Jesus was questioned about fasting, he used it as an opportunity to clarify his priorities. And so he taught people that you can't put new wine in old wineskins. You've got to put it in new wineskins. When Jesus was questioned about the Sabbath and the way he handled it, he didn't change his direction. No, he clarified his direction. He told people that the Sabbath was made for man and not man for the Sabbath. Let me read that section for you. Mark 2, 23 to 28. One Sabbath, Jesus was going through the grain fields, and as his disciples walked along, they began to pick some heads of grain. The Pharisees said to him, look, why are they doing what is unlawful on the Sabbath? He, Jesus, answered, have you never read what David did when he and his companions were hungry and in need? In the days of Abiathar the high priest, he entered the house of God, and he ate the consecrated bread, which is lawful only for priests to eat. And he also gave some to his companions. And then Jesus said to them, The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. 
So oftentimes, Jesus teaches us when you're criticized, it's an opportunity to clarify in your own mind and to others why you're serving the way that you're serving. Now, you're not Jesus, you're not perfect, but that doesn't mean you can't clarify why you're doing what you're doing. Third lesson we learned from the book of Mark about one of the marks of servanthood is that you're growing in faith as you're serving others. This is the personal faith part of serving. You, you don't serve others and not be growing yourself. Jesus was growing the faith of this, these disciples in every action of service. There are two main ways in the book of Mark you see him growing the disciples, their faith, through the teaching and parables and the work of miracles. As he teaches parables like the parable of the sower or the lamp or the farmer and the seed, the focus of these parables is on God's kingdom. And he's building the faith of the disciples as he's helping them to see beyond themselves to the purpose, the plan of God. He's also growing their faith through the miracles. He didn't just work miracles for them to say, wow, look what Jesus can do. If you read carefully, after almost every miracle, there was a teaching. Jesus used the miracles as an opportunity to teach them about how to build faith. He was building their faith as he was showing them the genuine power of God, but he's also teaching them that God wants to work that power through your life. He wants to do in your life things that you would never imagine. So he works the miracle of the feeding of the 5,000 to show them that God can supply all their needs in ways they could never imagine. You're growing in faith as you're serving others. That's one of the marks of a servant. And then there's a fourth mark of a servant, and that is that the power to serve is in the cross and the resurrection. Servants have to know where their power comes from. And it doesn't come from your inner motivation. You might have a lot of that. It doesn't come from your outer energy. You might have a lot or a little of that. That's not where it comes from. The power comes from the cross and the resurrection. And in the book of Mark, in chapters 8 and 9, Jesus begins to look towards the cross. In chapter 10, Jesus' last week begins. And then you see the cross in chapters 14 and 15. Chapter 15, 23 to 26. Then they offered him wine mixed with myrrh but he did not take it, and they crucified him. Dividing up his clothes, they cast lots to see what each would get. It was nine in the morning when they crucified him. The written notice of the charge against him read, the king of the Jews. But we know that's not the end of the story. In chapter 16, verses 5 and 6, as they entered the tomb, they saw a young man dressed in a white robe sitting on the right side, and they were alarmed. Don't be alarmed, he said. You're looking for Jesus, the Nazarene, who was crucified? He has risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him. For faith to mark your life as a servant, the cross has to mark your life. Not just once when you're saved, but daily, the fact that Jesus gave his life for you. For faith to mark your life as a servant, the resurrection must mark your life, not just once, but daily. The fact that he lives again for you, that's where the power comes from. So the question in the book of Mark, one of the questions is, what marks your life? Servants are people who make a mark on this world, but their lives have to be marked by faith and trust in who Jesus is, not just his example, but his love for you. So as we end this, I want to take just a moment to pray together. Make sure that our hearts are marked by the life of Jesus Christ. Jesus, we want to live the life you've given us to live. So we start by saying we trust you. We trust you for the salvation you can only give through the cross, through the life only you can give through the resurrection. 
We trust that maybe for the first time right now. But even if we trusted you for that a long time ago, we trust you, we refresh that trust in your forgiveness, in the life of the resurrection, because we need it today. Lord, we want to serve you today. So we ask for your power to serve today. And in asking for your power, we look to the cross, we look to the resurrection. In Jesus' name, amen. Tomorrow we're going to take a look at the book of Luke, the human life of Jesus. Jesus.